0: God is breathing on this church and is doing something special. Galatians chapter 5, pick me up in verse 16. The guy who wrote this, his name is Paul, and Paul says these words, but I say, hear the promise, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, uh, uh, rivalries, fits of anger, uh, uh, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Somebody say, in things like these. So if you don't see your stuff on the list, (laughs) we put it in a little box called, in things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, please hear me. The words of the Bible are inspired. The chapter divisions are not. So when we get to chapter six, verse one, he's still talking about what it looks like to walk in the spirit. Look at what he says. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should condemn. No, should judge. No, should restore him. In a spirit of gentleness. Why? Keep watch on yourself. You ain't as good as you think you are, lest you too be tempted. I want to talk about walking in the spirit is better than shouting in the spirit. We can do both, but Paul ain't concerned with how high we jump when we shout in the spirit. He's concerned with how straight we walk after we land. Now, Father, would you speak to us? Again, as my grandmama would say, would you put shoe leather on this word? Make it plain, make it practical, make it clear. Convince us of our need for the spirit of God and help us to walk in it. Lord God, would you use me to that end? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Her name was Kathy Boone. And for the last several years of her life, Kathy Boone, true story, Google her, lived in abject poverty and homelessness. In fact, Kathy Boone died in, I believe, January of 2020, at a warming shelter in Astoria, Oregon. For the last four years of her life, her family had been frantically trying to get in touch with Kathy. They were trying to track her down by social media. They were trying to track her down by email. They were trying to track her down by even hiring a private investigator. The reason why they were so frantic starting in 2016 trying to find this poor homeless girl is because Kathy didn't know it but her mama had just died. And in her will, her mama had left Kathy 880 four thousand dollars Kathy's father said it this way when you look at what her father Jack said it just didn't make any sense to me that money was just sitting there and she needed help in the worst way here's a woman who dies homeless and broke With $884,000 sitting in her account that she didn't know the depth of the resources that were available to her. And before we get all high and mighty, kind of sucking our teeth at Kathy, that is true of so many of us who name the name of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 Paul says for those of us who are in Christ I want you to know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in you we have waiting for us resurrection resources but so many of us are living in abject spiritual poverty refusing to apply what God in Christ has already accomplished for us. The same power that raised a dead Jesus is alive and it is available to you. But how many of us right now are living defeated lives, not realizing the resources that have our name on it? So what some of you right now, are maybe alcoholics, or strung out on drugs because you don't realize the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you. Some of you, your, your marriage, is in moral bankruptcy. Maybe you're sleeping in separate rooms and yes, you've tried counseling and you've heard me say it before. Go to counseling, get the therapy. We can walk and chew gum, but while you're getting the human help, please realize there are some spiritual resources available to you. The same power that resurrected a dead Jesus can resurrect your dead marriage. Others of you are addicted to pornography. You're enslaved to lying and gossip and slander and so on and so forth. The same power. A defeated Christian should be an oxymoron. There is spiritual resources available to you, and I want you to hear me. You don't have to live in poverty. Now, the question on the table is not what is in our spiritual bank account, but how do I access it? My oldest son, I really do have good kids, y'all. I'm just. My oldest boy about to be 21, he called me the other day, said, Dad, I need money. Somebody tell me, by the way, when is that going to (laughs) stop? Anybody got a word of encouragement for me? Please tell me it'll stop soon. Somebody, please. He said, Dad, I need some money. Holy Spirit said, don't argue, don't fuss, don't fight with him, just give it to him. So I gave it to him, I I zelled him some money. I I, I got him the money, it's sitting in his account. Now hear me, he has resources. I I, I, I took the resources in my account and applied it to his broke account. (laughs) But those resources aren't any good unless he has something called a bank card. The bank card allows him to access the resources that are available to me. Hear hear me. The same power that raised the dead Jesus is available to you right now. How do I access it? Paul tells us the bank card of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit allows us to take what is on layaway for us and apply it to the day to day situations of our lives. You have to know about the Holy Spirit. Now, admittedly, the Holy Spirit has a branding issue. Some of you who are in marketing, you understand about branding. The Holy Spirit has a branding issue. I picked up early on this. I, I grew up in a little uh, chocolate church on the south side of Atlanta that, that the pastor preached every Sunday out of the King James Version. Anybody grew up in a church where they preached out of the King James Version? Someone tell me, how, how does the King James Version re- refer to the Holy Spirit? They refer to him as what? The, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. In fact, some mothers right now, they, they, they refer to some anointed peoples. they got the ghost. They got got the ghost, the the Holy Ghost. Now, as a little kid, this freaked me out. The Holy Ghost. That wasn't somebody I wanted to be in relationship with. That was somebody I was scared of who gave me nightmares, who hovered over me. I, I never got any real clear teaching from my pastor on the Holy Ghost. I heard a lot about God. I heard a lot about Jesus, but I didn't hear anything about the Holy Ghost. Then I leave from there to go to Bible college and I get to Bible college and it's a conservative Bible college and it's a a really cerebral, intellectual kind of environment where their Trinity was God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Scriptures. They offered very little teaching about the Holy Spirit In fact, the the little teaching they did offer, it was all cerebral. It was all intellectual. The Holy Spirit was presented to me as someone who was impersonal, someone you didn't have a relationship with. And then I leave from there to go on a full-on charismatic church staff where every Sunday folk was running around the building getting slain in the holy spirit in fact this happened so frequently there was a whole ministry where if someone especially a woman got slain in the spirit and this woman fell out yep yep you got it there were some mothers who would take what looked like a tablecloth anybody know anything about that and to preserve their modesty they would drape a tablecloth over this woman. i will never forget, one, one Sunday, we had just hired this new pastor. This new pastor came from an ultra-conservative church. New pastor came, and a woman guest preacher laid hands on him. Bam, he falls out. But when he falls out, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm a little old. When he falls out, he doesn't fall out like this. He falls out like this. And a pastor came and tried to straighten that leg, and that leg wasn't budging. Y'all, this is a true story. Afterwards, I got up, praise the Lord. Afterwards, we in the green room and the pastor who tried to straighten his leg says, hey, hey, I sense some harshness in the spirit. I tried to straighten your leg, I sense some harshness in the spirit. You know, I'm a a new intern, harshness in the spirit. My friend said, that that wasn't a harshness in the spirit. I had a hole in the bottom of my shoe. And and I didn't want, I did not want these folks laughing at the hole in the bottom of my shoe. You know, we laugh at that stuff and it's funny, but it makes you question, is this stuff real? I know some folk who would speak in tongues in the Spirit, who would give your word of prophecy in the Spirit, and would cuss you out. Is that what the Spirit does? Lift up high and holy hands in the Spirit. But where were those hands that night before? Paul in our text, he's not anti-shouting. He's not anti-tongues. But please notice the emphasis of Paul's teaching on the spirit is not concerned ultimately with what happens inside of a building for 90 minutes once a week. He is concerned with the totality of your life. In fact, look at verse 16. Paul says this is actually what we would call in Greek construction. It is actually this. He says, but I say, walk. It's a command, walk. He's not talking, literally put one foot in front of the other. He he, he is talking, it's the Greek word peripeteo, which means circumference. It is the idea of it being used figuratively. He is saying this, I am commanding you To submit the totality of your life under the lordship, sovereignty, and guidance of the Spirit of God. One one scholar says it this way. Will you look at it with me? This scholar, Ronald Fung, says to be under, to walk by the Spirit means to be under the constant moment-by-moment direction, control, and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Paul says walk by the Spirit. That I am submitting the totality of my life, my finances, my tongue, how I govern my, 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 my sexuality, my marriage, how I parent, how I work. He says, I want you to submit the totality of who you are under the Lordship of the Spirit of God. Now, now, now let me tell you what this does not look like, and let me tell you what it does look like. The Spirit of God is not like how we use our phones and specifically our apps when I when I came here I got on a plane right before I got on a plane I I do what I always do I took out my weather app because I wanted to see what the weather's gonna be like I got the information and I closed the app sometimes when I go to someplace new I I don't know how to get there I need some guidance in some direction so I open up my Google Maps app key in the address get what I need but when I reach my destination I'm done with the app that is not what it means to walk in the spirit yeah, yeah. to walk in the spirit does not mean I'm in a jam I'm in a bind I need you to come through let me get what I need close you out and then you'll hear from me when I need something else that is not Paul is talking about. To walk by the Spirit, Paul explains what it looks like when in Ephesians chapter 5, hear it now, he says, but I say to you, do not get drunk with wine, for that is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In order to understand this, you have to understand that when you got saved, God put himself inside of you. That's why to the Corinthians, Paul would say, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? When you got saved, God put himself inside of you, which means this, stop praying for more of God. You've got all of God that you will ever need. The question is, does he have all of you? So I want you to understand, if you are in Christ, you can never lose his presence, but you can lose his power. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Literally, in Greek, it means be being filled. Constantly a command. I'm always filled. I'm under his power. I am yielding instant, and I love how he equates it. He equates filled with the spirit with being drunk. He is not saying it's okay to be drunk. It's an analogy. When a person is drunk, watch it now, they are under the control and the guiding influence of alcohol. It alters their personality. It alters their speech. It alters their driving. It changes the way in which they relate to other people a person who is under the control of alcohol is not who they normally are and it changes everything about them that is exactly the analogy that paul uses for life in the spirit you know you are in the spirit when you are acting differently when you are talking differently when you are relating differently that is when you are under the influence of the spirit of god and so I know when I'm filled with the Spirit, when I've wronged my wife. And the flesh would say, you ain't got to apologize. The flesh would say, suck it up, buttercup. (laughs) But then the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. You need to apologize. And a proper apology, not I'm sorry you took it that way. See, some of y'all are paying $150 an hour. When if you were just filled with the Spirit. You know you're filled with the Spirit when you're on the other side of that. Someone's wronged you. And the old you would have been like, no, 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 no. The flesh is like, no, no. They cut you, you cut them off right now. And the Holy Spirit, no, no, no. I need you to do to them what God in Christ does for you every day. I need you to forgive. I need you to seek reconciliation. That's what the Spirit of God does. Watch this. What does life in the Spirit look like? When I walk in the power of the Spirit of God, when I submit the totality of my life his guidance what what practically does that look like look at our text Paul says he begins by making a promise verse 16 he says but I say walk by the Spirit now watch what he does and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh now hear me the flesh here is not skin and bones he's not talking blood the flesh has to do with our fallen sinful desires What do those fallen sinful desires look like? Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Here's what the flesh looks like. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He gives three categories of what my fallen sinful desires look like. There's there's sexual brokenness. There's relational brokenness. And then it's me just kind of taking God's good gifts and overindulging, over drinking, over eating. This is what life in the flesh looks like, that at the end and at the middle of all of it, it is me. Now, let me give you some bad news and good news. He says this in verse 21, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He is not preaching perfection, but he's saying this, if you can just walk in sin, If you can just lay down with someone who's not your spouse, if you can just flippantly lie, gossip, slander, if you can just be rude and unkind to people, you just live that way. You ain't saved. How can you claim to have God living inside of you And yet living in sin with no conviction. I know you ain't shouting. Now let me give you some good news. Here's the principle. Paul is not preaching perfection. Notice he says that if you're a believer, I've got the flesh and I got the Spirit. Watch it now. He says these two things are opposed to each other, which means this. The way that I know that I'm saved, it's not that I don't sin, I sin. The way that I know that I'm saved is that I struggle to sin. The way that I know that I'm saved, it's not that I don't sin, we all sin the way that I know that I'm saved there's this war going on in me there's this struggle going on in me and if Brian can just sin with no war no struggle that tells me ain't nothing in there for the flesh to struggle against how do I know I have the spirit living in me is this a safe place Can I put my business out there? So my wife is as fine as she want to be. And when we met, we got engaged, and we struggled. Can can I be real here? I'd be at her apartment. Now, Now, look, I got a Bible college degree at the time. I got a seminary degree, but I got the flesh. And I'd be at her apartment or she'd be at my apartment 10 o'clock at night, we've been playing Monopoly, having a good time, but it's 10 o'clock. I don't wanna play no more Monopoly. Can I just put it out there? I wanna play something else. I want to play Twister. And there'd be this struggle. There would be this struggle. In fact, parenthetically, this is I speaking, not the Lord. You don't want to marry somebody, you don't struggle. I know you get all high and holy. the Holy Spirit would say, it's time to get to the house. The Holy Spirit would say, call one of your boys and invite them in. How are you struggling? The way that we know that we're saved, it's not that we don't sin. We sin. It's that we struggle. Be very careful of being in a relationship with somebody where only one of y'all are struggling. How do I know that the spirit is living inside of me? There's victory over the flesh. I am I'm struggling, but there's, I'm walking in victory. It's a struggle, but, but secondly, how do I know I'm walking in the spirit? Now, watch this. Gosh, I wish I had time. Paul, in talking about the flesh, you should know this, that the epicenter to the flesh is me. The flesh is all about me. Sex is all about me. I view other people and relationships are being all about me. Substances are all about me. That's the flesh. The flesh doesn't exist to better you. The flesh exists for me, me, me. I got a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, not not your pastor, pastor friend of mine. He called me up one day. He says, he says, uh, he says, Brian, you will not believe this. I said, well, what happened? He says, man, there was a woman in my church. Woman in my church. Uh, she got up one day and, and she said that the Holy Spirit told her, single woman, Holy Spirit told her to go buy a wedding dress. To put the wedding dress on and to come to my church and to sit on the front row by faith. After service, my pastor says she came to me and said the Holy Spirit told her that I'm her husband. True story, y'all. I said, now, how did you handle that? He says, well, I asked her. Did the Holy Spirit tell you what I'm supposed to do with my wife? That ain't the spirit, y'all. That's the flesh. The flesh is all about me, gratifying me, and that's where some of us are. Some of you men are as sexist and misogynistic as you want to be. Because women in your eyes aren't people made with a soul in the image of God. They're a collection of body parts that exist for your gratification. Lust takes, love gives. On the other side, he says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I love this. An apple tree never has to struggle to bear apples. An apple tree never wakes up going, man, how am I going to bear apples? No, all it has to do is stay connected to the soil and yielded and submitted to the soil and to the elements. And by nature, it's in its DNA. Fruit will be produced. Likewise, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. You don't have to struggle to produce love. You don't have to struggle to produce joy. Just yield to the Spirit of God, and these things will happen to your life. Now, here's the other thing I like about this analogy. Fruit does not exist for itself. Fruit exists for the betterment of those around you. A spirit-filled person is not ultimately concerned with your happiness, with your life, with your joy, with your peace. But a spirit-filled person understands that God has saved me and filled me, not ultimately for me, but he gets a blessing to me that he might be a blessing through me. so read Ephesians 5 later on this week. Right on the heels of Paul saying, be filled with the Spirit, what does he do? He goes from being filled by the Spirit to talking about marriage. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Here's what he's saying. A Spirit-filled wife says this, how can I make my husband's life better? A Spirit-filled husband says this, how can I make my wife's life better? He goes from there to talking about the work relationship, which means this, a Spirit-filled boss isn't just concerned with the company's bottom line, he goes, how can I make my employees better? And a spirit-filled employee ain't just concerned about a paycheck, he goes, how can I make this church that I'm working for better, or this company that I'm working for better? He goes from there to talking about children, obeying your parents, and fathers not provoking your kids, which means this, spirit-filled kids who have the Spirit of God living in them, they wanna make the home better, and a spirit-filled dad wants to make his kids better. It all begins and ends with walking in the power of the Spirit of God. Now let's go home on this. Paul says walk by the Spirit. Submit the totality of your life to the Spirit of God. What then happens? Victory over the flesh. What then happens? Relationships are bettered. But finally, what happens when I submit my life that restores the fallen. Look again at what he says as we close. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest lest you too be tempted. Here's what he's saying, when you understand this, one of the ways you know that you're walking in the spirit is how do you relate to people who have made a mess of their lives? One of the ways you know that you are filled with the Spirit is how do you relate to people who are, as my auntie used to say, toe up from the flow up. (laughs) He says, watch this. If any of you, watch it now, key word, is caught. The word caught simply means to be surprised by to be overwhelmed by. It's not the picture of a predator. He ain't talking about people who are wolves in the house of God who come scheming. It's a person who's trying to do their best. They just got caught up. We know people like this. I'm in a season, I've lost my job, all kinds of stress. Let me just try a little alcohol, or let me just try a little substance to take the edge off. The next thing you know, I'm, I'm an addict. I, I'm caught. I didn't mean to make my kids hate me. I didn't mean to make my ex-spouse's wife miserable. I didn't mean to end up in divorce court. It was just a few harmless Direct messages on social media. It was just a few text messages. And the next thing you know, it's a full-blown affair. I've been caught up. What should we do to that person? He says, you who are not fleshly. By the way, when you get caught up in something, not if, when Be very discerning who you reach out to help to. You need some spiritual folk in your life. In context, the spiritual person is the person who is walking by the Spirit. And what should this person do? He says, you who are spiritual, don't condemn, don't judge, don't kick under the bus, don't toss to the side, restore. The image here, it's like a fish in the water, minding its own business. It's hungry. It sees something to eat. It grabs hold of a worm. The next thing you know, it's a hook in its mouth. It's being yanked out of its environment. Now, we've all gone fishing, and some of us have gone fishing in places that have what's called a catch and release rule. Catch and release rule means that when you get it, you can't keep it and kill it. But you gently, you gently remove the hook and you gently restore it back in its environment. That is the image that God says spirit-filled believers are to do with people who've been caught up. We've all got them around us. And the thing that grieves my heart is that the church, the people of God, we are not known for restoring. We are known for gossiping about. We are known for castigating. We are known for condemning. But where are a few spiritual people who knows what it's like to have been caught up? In fact, that's why he says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Watch it. It takes a measure of humility for me to restore people. In fact, I'm gonna argue that only restored people can restore when you know you haven't dotted all your i baby and crossed all your t's all your life When you have sense enough to know that but for the grace of God, there go I, when you remember from how far God done took you from, but now you've gotten some spiritual amnesia, you think you're all high and mighty because you've been in church for a few minutes, but oh, for the grace of God, that he would roll the tapes and remember your stuff in your closet, remember your Saturday nights, but he covered you, and with his grace, he's protecting you, all he is saying is, do unto others what I have already done to you. Yeah. Give me one, community. Unsafe folk going to come in here, they ain't going to hear nothing about your Jesus. If you are being rude, condemning, judgmental, lying about, and gossiping with one another. I'm done. I really got good kids, y'all. I really got good kids. I think one last time I was with you, I told you my youngest threw a party at our house. And you know, these kids are dumb. It's one thing to sin, but if you're going to sin, be smart about it. This generation documents everything on their phone. Just dumb. Just dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So we pulled out the phone. I said, you know what? It's my youngest. I think I'm done parenting. <laughs> I'm I'm turning my two week no- I'm not no, I need a two-week notice effective immediately. Then the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder. He said, what were you doing at that age? And he reminded me of a 17-day party I threw. 17 days. We was whopping. How easy we forget. Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary, I'll give you rest. Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly. We were all caught in sin, but on the cross, he took the hook out. To be a Christian mm-hmm. it means I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I want to pray. I want to pray. If someone's here today, and your life is dominated by the flesh. Someone's here today. And Satan is wreaking havoc in an area of your life. I want to pray for you. Someone's here today, and maybe you're doing okay, but but maybe there is a loved one of yours. A child. loved one. And you want to stand in the gap for them. Someone's here today and you would say, Pastor, ain't much struggle. Someone's here today and you're the one caught up. Someone's here today and you're not caught up. But you go, yeah, I'm I'm a little legalistic and judgmental. Someone's here today and you don't even know Christ. If you're here, and you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? The flesh is having its way. I want to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. Would you meet me at the altar? I'm going to pray for you. Pastor, the flesh is having its way in a certain area of my life, yes. And I want to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. I think there's a married couple who needs to come. You've been sitting in counseling and getting help. Amen, amen, and amen. But the Spirit of God hasn't been invited into your marriage. Would you come? There's a mother, there's a father. You've got a child out in the far country living in the flesh. I wonder if that mother or father will come and stand in the, in the gap for them. I'm, I'm, I'm standing in the gap for my child. Someone else here today, I'm caught up in something. I, I, I didn't mean to hurt anybody. I, I'm just caught up. I need help being restored. Someone else is here today. I'm not caught up, but I got somebody in my life caught up, but I haven't been handling them in a spiritual way. Would you come? you stretch a hand towards those who are here, if you're in the audience, would you just stand as we prepare to leave, and would you stretch a hand towards those who are here, would you stretch a hand? Prayer is a team sport, would you stretch a hand? Father, in the name of Jesus, you have not ultimately given us your spirit just for us to shout on Sunday, yes and amen. Amen. We want to give you the praise and worship that is rightly due you. God, your spirit isn't just with us for 90 minutes or so on Sunday. Your spirit is with us after church and all through the week. You've given us your spirit. You have put your very nature in us that we might access the same power that raised the dead Jesus. So Father, we we access that power by the name of Jesus and through the person of your Holy Spirit right now. Would you breathe life into the dry bones of our marriage? Would you resurrect that wayward child? Would you, Lord God, give us what we need to struggle against sin? Oh Lord God, someone's here today and they are caught up. They've made a mess of their lives. Oh Lord God, would you release into their lives spiritual folk who will restore in the name of Jesus. Oh God, would you forgive us of our judgmentalism, of our condemning self-righteous spirits. And would you give us, Lord God, the fruit of your spirit Of which is gentleness to that in Lord God that people would look at one community church and they would say nope that's not a perfect church but they're an imperfect people walking in the power of the Spirit of God restoring one another loving one another walking in the power of who you are God there's so much more you have for our church We thank you and we rejoice in the buildings. But more than the buildings, we want your spirit who lives in the building of our lives. Do it, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. And amen.